Hello and welcome to the Headache Doctor podcast. I'm Dr. Taves. And I'm Dr. Storsbach. And it's our mission to empower everyone with headaches and migraines to break free from a life of fear and dependence and thrive in everything you do. In today's podcast, we're going to talk about one of the more common interventions that we use here in the clinic, uh, which is dry needling. So dry needling is something that we have seen to have an impact on patients with headaches and migraines, specifically uh, as it relates to reducing tension through muscles. And we'll talk about why that's important. We'll go through the different types of patients that we tend to see uh, that do really well with, with dry needling. Um, well, actually, there's actually a couple different sort of approaches that can be taken with dry needling and why this will be helpful for you um, because you, you think, well, why would I listen to someone talk about dry needling when I can just go get it for myself? Well, if you're from out of state, maybe you can't come to see us. We want you to understand how dry needling can be helpful when you go see your physical therapist. So you can sort of advocate for yourself, ask questions, be educated in that process. Um, but if you're sort of within reach of us and can come out to see us, um, this is a little bit of an insight into uh, another avenue of treatment or, or something else that we use within our treatment process. So let's start off, Dr. Storisbach, with just talking about what is dry needling. Yeah, so there's actually a few terms for dry needling. It can also be called intramuscular stimulation, uh, myofascial needling, or trigger point dry needling. Um, it's basically a procedure that involves inserting a sterile fine needle into the muscle, and then more specifically into the trigger point to uh, relieve muscle tension, improve r range of motion, and improve pain. Yeah, so if you're sitting at home and you're like, "Oh man, like I don't I don't like needles. I don't like getting uh, my blood drawn when I go to the doctor. Those shots are awful." So, there's different categories of people. Some people that can tolerate needles, it's no big deal. They've got maybe tattoos all over their body <laughs> or something like that. Um, and then the other end of the spectrum is the person that is kind of afraid of needles like it's a phobia. And so this this sort of um, fear of needles is something that would mean we wouldn't necessarily do this on you. So right. I'll say that up front, meaning if you come to see us and, and you are afraid of needles and it'll cause you anxiety just to go through this process, it's not something we're going to do with you. Um, but most of the people that we see are willing to give it a shot um, and can kind of relax during the process. But yeah, we are using these little tiny needles to help reduce muscle tension. Um, let's talk a little bit about like um, maybe the, the type of needle we use, uh, some of the different areas we do dry needling, um, things like that. So in your experience, Dr. Storzbach, where have you found this to be helpful? Um, well, I have used needles all over the body. Um, I do feel like it can be very helpful um, with myofascial pain and trigger point referral pain. Um, and also just when manually, we just can't quite get the releases maybe with our hands that we're looking for. Um, and so definitely, obviously, we use it here um, with the right patients for headache pain. But, you know, it's great for things like that sciatic nerve type pain in the leg, low back pain, uh, tennis elbow. I've used kind of used needles for all of that. Yeah. So this idea of dry needling, um, helping reduce tension, re reduce pain levels and improve mobility. Um, what, what's kind of the history behind this? When did this start? So this started in uh, around the 1980s, um, but really it has boomed, especially here in Colorado over the last decade. Um, 
And the diff- the reason it's called, uh, we get that question a lot of why is it called dry needling, like not just needling, um, because initially they um, tried always injecting a liquid, maybe lidocaine or um, some kind of solution into the trigger point um, to see if that would be helpful, but that they actually realized over time it was the needle itself causing the improvement, not the not the liquid. So now it's called dry needling. Yeah, and so when when we go through physical therapy school, I think there are possibly some programs that are uh, providing this type of education in the program itself. But for most physical therapists within the state, they have to take continuing education. Mm -hmm. And there are different types of sort of educational programs that PTs can take. Um, So Dr. Storzbach was different than mine. Can you tell us a little bit about the focus of your program you went through? Yeah, so I did courses called integrative dry needling. um, And the focus there was primarily on like the nervous system and how that um, affects muscle tension. So if you kind of peel back the layer of like, well, what feeds the muscle? Maybe why could it be angry or upset or tight, um, it could be the nerve is a little irritated. So a lot of mine, um, we always did along the spinal nerve root areas, which we were actually going into the muscle, not the nerve, but in that area. Um, so that fed the region of pain. So it was a very like, not super always specific to just like one or two trigger points. We would do the spinal nerves associated with that, the trigger points themselves. And then we also had, um, in our class, what was called homeostatic points, which um, they just said were researched points. If you, for example, had pain in your elbow, you should always um, hit the infraspinatus closer to the shoulder because they showed um, just better results. And what's interesting is um, I think that was a lot of influence of acupuncture meridian lines because a lot of them overlapped with that. Yeah, and my my training uh, actually did use a lot of the research from acupuncture. Now, the the reason that dry needling might have a little bit of overlap with acupuncture, and we'll just be clear that they're two very different things, and physical therapists, unless they've gone through acupuncture uh, school, do not do acupuncture. But dry needling is using essentially the same needle, so it's the same tool, but the the mission or what we're trying to accomplish is different than acupuncture. Now, my program was focused on muscle tissue tension and then reducing pain levels. There were a few different types of things that can be done. Um, There are a couple techniques that were intended to stretch the muscle intramuscularly. So you actually put the needle in and think of like stretching your hamstring, but this is an actual intramuscular stretch. And they had done research on the different sort of like uh, chemical responses that occur in in relationship to dry needling or in response to dry needling. Uh, The response of the muscle itself and those trigger points, uh, stimulation of blood flow, of of stimulating that healing process. There were a lot of good things that happen with dry needling. But my my coursework, just like yours, sounds like it was sort of – Um, a lot of the research was backed by the acupuncture studies that have been done. Mm -hmm. And so acupuncture is different. Now, a lot of people don't understand what's, what the difference is because they, they just, they know we use the needles. So they just assume it's acupuncture. 
But um, dry needling is focused on restoring, let's say, mobility, reducing tension, reducing pain levels, whereas acupuncture is, I'll have you take over here. Yeah, well, so acupuncture is more that Eastern Chinese uh, philosophy where they're following what's called meridian lines or also known as energy lines that carry qi um, in the body. Um, and it, it's used to treat tons of different health problems. So again, as PTs, we're really focused on the musculoskeletal system, whereas acupuncturists might be, for example, treating like a bladder issue through some of these needles, which is not something we would do. So um, definitely the education behind what we do, you know, the approach and philosophy, the techniques of how we use the needle, where we put the needle and why are very different between the two. Yeah, think of, I've talked about the difference between chiropractic and physical therapy where the to the layperson, it may look like we're doing very similar things, but our training is very, very different than a chiropractor's training. And so from our perspective, um, there, there are sort of miles between these two things. And what our job is, is sort of to educate on the difference because if you, the patient, are thinking like, well, I've already had acupuncture and it didn't work, or maybe you've already had dry needling and it didn't work, and potentially acupuncture will help, or maybe you've had dry ne- maybe you've had acupuncture and dry needling will help, just understand that there's, there's a difference between those two. And uh, dry needling is purely to impact the way the body functions, uh, whereas acupuncture is... is working more with uh, with chi or the energy, these meridians that, that are kind of these energy currents running through our body. So mm-hmm. uh, I actually would love to um, interview a um, an acupuncturist. If anyone listening knows like of a good acupuncturist or maybe a, an acupuncturist that has a podcast, I'd love to uh, have a conversation with them mm-hmm. because there's a lot of good research behind acupuncture and as it relates to migraines. Mm-hmm. Um just one study we found, a systematic review, that uh, the National Institute of Health um, posted on their site. So a systematic review is basically compiling all these uh, randomized controlled trials and different types of studies and coming up with a summary of what they found. So there were 22 clinical trials, almost 5,000 people. And uh, it showed that the frequency and the um, and the intensity of, of migraines were reduced and um, similar to that of like a preventative medication. And so we're all about reducing the patient's need for medication. And so if, if we can provide an alternative, whether that's through physical therapy or maybe an acupuncture approach, that's something that we want to do. And, and maybe something we're actually working towards in the future of, of providing sort of this um, one-stop shop for everything non-medication to help you with your headaches and migraines. Yeah. So let's transition a little bit to talk about when we're seeing a patient, what are some things we look for as far as a patient that might find success with dry needling? What are some areas we use dry needling for? That type of stuff. Yeah, so I would say a successful patient is one that um, is excited about the treatment, has maybe already done a little research, um, but also... Um, they, a lot of times like that chronic type of patient that might have had trigger points for years or even decades, sometimes we really, um, need that deeper needle to get into the spot. And also, um, with our headache and migraine patients, 
it really does seem like an effective adjunct. It's one of those things, though, that we'd never do in isolation. It's not just a single treatment with needles. There still needs to be a hands-on approach. We still need to get the joint moving, which to us is one of the more important things. But um, if we can adjunct with needles, you can get a really good effect. Yeah, that's a good point. If you've been listening to our podcast, you know that we focus on restoring mobility and specifically mobility in the upper part of the, of the neck. And what that means is is focusing on how the joint moves, which involves these hands-on techniques. That's the bread and butter of what we do. Dry needling is, yeah, it's going to be an adjunct. It's going to be something that we can add into a patient's plan of care because, one, maybe they have an increased amount of tension or tone through like their upper traps or their levator scapula. And those are the muscles that when you're sitting at work and you're stressed out and your shoulders are up by your ears, you're like, oh my gosh, like I need to relax. Or maybe you can't relax and you go to, to that massage therapist every couple of weeks because they do a really good job of, of getting those knots through your shoulders. Dry needling can be helpful for that type of patient. So tension type headaches, are the ones that start in the back of the head and kind of wrap up and around on both sides. And tension type headaches can oftentimes stem from shoulders and the neck and that actual muscle is generating the pain because it's so tight. Those trigger points are actually referring pain into the head. So that patient would respond really well to dry needling. Uh, And so and most of the people we work with actually have these these trigger points within, uh, I would say more commonly, the levator scapula. And if you're curious where that muscle is, just Google it and you'll be like, oh my gosh, yeah, I probably have a knot there. <laughs> you can push at the on the top part of your shoulder blade. You'll feel kind of like a, a bony part. And then right above that, uh, it'll be a little sensitive probably if you have a trigger point. And that's a common area that, that we try to get at with the needles. And that can send pain into the head. The other category of patient that I like to do dry needling with is maybe someone that has a high sensitivity level and they have pain. Let's say it's more general pain. It's more all over. And they are not necessarily finding as much relief with the hands-on work. What I can do is go in with the dry needles and try to desensitize the area. So trigger point dry needling is where we go in and try to relieve that trigger point. Uh, But this other type of of dry needling is actually following a protocol of these different points. uh, And this is specific to the head and neck. So this is kind of on the back side of the neck, top part of the neck. And there's actually like 13 different sites that I'll use. And I'll put, the mus- I'll put the needles in these different sites that correspond to muscles and I'll hook it up to an electrical current. And what that current does is it allows the brain to get a different signal. So if we understand how pain works, we'll know that sharper, um, kind of a burning sensation will be a, a slower response than like a dull vibration sense. And so if we give the brain a dull sort of vibration-like sense, which is coming from that TENS unit, it actually drowns out that sharper pain sensation that the patient has. And so with the needles hooked up to this electrical current, I'll let them sit there for 10 or 15 minutes and let the area just kind of calm down and relax. Mm-hmm. So it's the the trigger points themselves, but also if we just need to calm down and kind of desensitize an area. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on, on a type of patient that might benefit from dry needling? Yeah. And so for me, um, I really like those patients that come in and kind of like to grab the the base of their head along the hairline and rub a lot, kind of right along that suboccipital um, region. 
um, because needles can be really effective in there and also, um, again, improve with, with headache, tension, and even, even sometimes that like aura visual stuff um, can be coming from those really tight muscles compressing on the occipital nerve back there. And so I think that can even improve with this type of treatment. Yeah, so there, there's a whole... Um, yeah, there, there's a whole spectrum of types of patients that can respond well to dry needling. And so we tried to insert dry needling or add dry needling to our plan of care when it's appropriate. Now, again, it's not a standalone treatment. So if you go to a physical therapist and that's the primary mode of treating your headaches or migraines, um, your improvement is going to be limited. Now, unless you're someone that it's like purely just generated from the shoulder tension you have, then you might find significant relief. But for the most part, we get our results by improving mobility to the upper part of the neck. And that's our hands-on treatment that's restoring uh, C1 and C2, the, the head sitting on the first bone and that nodding motion. And so without that, our, our progress with headache and migraine patients is limited. Now I say that because one of the tough things that we have to go through with patients or the barriers we have with patients is that they don't trust that we're going to provide something new. So they say, well, you, you, I've already had dry needling or I've already gone to see like a chiropractor, a massage therapist, someone's worked on my neck. But the foundation of what we do, um, restoring mobility to C1 and C2 and the head sitting on that first bone, um, that is that is almost never a component of someone's history as far as their treatment looks like. Now, a, uh, acupuncture, dry needling, th- this is stuff that should be pursued, and, and we do dry needling here. And so if you've had a history of dry needling and, and it hasn't necessarily helped, well, then it's time to get into the specifics of the upper part of the neck. And then if you're going to pursue uh, a physical therapist or if you're working with a physical therapist, and you have headaches or migraines, um, having dry needling done to the shoulders, to the back of the head, to the neck uh, can be a helpful thing. So I want you guys to think about that, have those conversations with uh, your provider. Now let's talk a little bit about what you should expect when you get dry needling. Should this uh, cause your symptoms to go away? Um, Will will you be sore? Um, Is this something that is like a one and done? Do you have to keep repeating it? Stuff like that. Let's let's talk about um, what a patient should expect. Yeah, so um, basically the biggest thing is potential soreness in the area. Sometimes it feels like that muscle got worked out a little bit. For some people, they don't experience it at all. Some people only for a couple hours, but it can last 24 to 48 hours. So that's something that you just need to be aware of, you know, and of course we want to talk about potential, um, you know, like side effects or adverse reactions. So the patient's completely informed, you know, it's a very small percentage and a very small chance, but there's a chance for a small bruise in the area, um, you know, uh, infection at the site, um, some nausea or dizziness when sitting up. Um, and then if we go deep enough in the wrong angle completely, there is a possibility for a lung puncture or pneumothorax. That uh, makes a lot of people very nervous, but I can say it's extremely rare. It's someone who would not be knowing what they're doing. You know, I've been doing it for five years and I've never had that happen and I don't ever expect it to happen. Yeah, so that's like if you go to the amusement park and you like want to get on the roller coaster, they're like, oh, you could fly off. And it's like, you know, people people <laughs> don't actually fly off. Um, but it's just there's always a chance of something like that happening. And so we usually go through that stuff with our patients. And um, 
but overall it's it's very very safe um, and something that can be effective actually the the number one reason and and maybe potentially uh, well one of the only reasons we wouldn't do this with someone is because they're anxious mm-hmm. and because we don't we don't want tension to increase and so if someone's like stressed out and this is causing them anxiety during the session that that stress and anxiety could potentially increase the amount of tension through their muscles and it can have the kind of the opposite effect mm-hmm. um, and the other thing too is we don't want people um, that are potentially going to fixate on pain um, to go through this process at times because if if they are sore uh, and and that soreness is something that that they'll kind of fixate on um, then we want to do things that are only therapeutic in the sense of like reducing pain reducing pain uh, maybe we go through talking about the psychology of pain and how um, our body our body's pain response is not it's not a bad thing it's a good thing it t- tells us what our body's kind of going through but um, that expectation of pain is a big deal as well. So again, the majority of people are going to do well with dry needling. Um, and we honestly, it's probably 50% of patients that we see, mm-hmm. if I if I had to guess, yeah. would uh, receive dry needling. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so definitely not, uh, not everyone is appropriate and not everyone needs it either. But this is something that I want you, the listener, to think about. And uh, especially as you communicate with your provider, wherever you are, if you've heard that dry needling might work for you uh, or you're listening to this podcast, you're like, I've had dry needling, but I need that next thing, then I want you to reach out to us. We do virtual visits. We do free virtual discovery visits, which is just a half hour to chat about your story. Uh, And then we have people from all over the country that end up uh, driving or flying out to see us, which is kind of fun. We we feel honored every time mm-hmm. uh, we get to see someone from out of state and, and really anyone, even down the street. Um, and so again, it's our mission to empower and educate everyone with headaches and migraines so that you don't have to be dependent on the medication and that you don't have to be living in fear of your next headache or migraine. This is the Headache Doctor Podcast. Thanks for listening.